You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Drive after the takeaway and the interception. Wide open and into the end zone is Dolman Jr. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. And with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. We are in week 17, I believe, of our uh, extended weekend vacation at home. And uh, I'd be happy to know, Grump, that I actually uh, got a haircut and I shaved. So. The fact that you're not sure what week we're in is bad because you're the one who's been keeping track. So we've really <laughs> hit the, the dumps now. We've basically gone through an entire NFL season. Of being in our apartments, it is what it is. <laughs> that that, yeah. that part of it is uh, par for the course for me. I mean, I'm not missing out on any baseball. I'm not missing out on any NBA playoffs. Um, I'm not missing out on any soccer. <laughs> so, well, those of you out there who are Nick fans who listen to the show or wouldn't have been missing any playoffs anyway. So, <laughs> unfortunately. The only but, thing I'm uh, missing out on is dumb highlight videos of uh, OTA throws. So <laughs> that's, that's all I've got. Yeah, I am missing just sitting in a bar. I really just want to sit in a bar and drink. It's not the same <laughs> sitting in your house drinking. It's sadder. <laughs> it, yeah, it's sadder sitting in your house just drinking by yourself. At least when you're in a, you're around people and there's something on the TV, you can justify your your consumption. Well, there's always drinking games. <laughs> what are we, 16? <laughs> when in Rome. I mean, you do what you got to do, but... That's true. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're slightly lukewarm to say as mildly as possible that this uh, NFL season is going to happen. Um, That's being generous from my standpoint, I think. Yeah. I, I guess I guess where I'm going with that is that normally this time of year we're talking a lot about the rookies that are coming in. Is like I said, we're seeing those highlight videos from OTAs and stuff like that, um, and you know we're, we're waxing poetic about a first round pick and how he's going to change the season for us just a little bit and how much of a an improvement that is. Hopefully, every year you do that. Hopefully, um, we're not doing that because we can't see any of that. But you know, it's such a big part of the off season, and you know we've talked for weeks now about. Um, our waning uh, optimism on this season happening. But what about the NCAA season happening? I, I think there's even less chance of that. I mean, I think of all of the, all of the major sports happening. Uh, I think the one that has the most likely of a chance of actually getting on the field and playing is the NFL. You know, it's the, the season it starts the latest and everything else. They're the league that's the most stubborn for doing things. Um, it's the league that, you know, quite frankly, you know, have a lot of owners and a lot of fans that, you know, are middle America and are, you know, may not be as aware or impacted by this virus and think they, they want to keep moving forward. So, I think they're going to give it the best college try. So, but as far as college is concerned, you're, you're not dealing with professional athletes. You are dealing with college students. And I will believe it when I see it, when students are actually going to be on campus. And if there are no students on campus, 
there will be no football. There will be no fall sports. I mean, they're most of the, the uh, universities and uh, around the South and the Midwest are doing unorganized team workouts and things now. Uh, you know, there's very strict rules in any year in the off season with regards to coaching and support staff and stuff. But uh, you know, if this you know renewal of Wave One keeps firing up in the South, you know, in Florida and you know all those types of places, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I'm. I think there's like a 0% chance that we'll be in the stands for college football. And I really think it's like 10 to 15% that they have a full season in the fall. It doesn't mean they won't wait till the spring to do it, but I just, when these guys aren't professionals and we're already battling with the fact that they don't get paid for, you know, things like their likeness or paid to play to begin with, I, I can't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everything you said makes total sense. It's just funny because, you know, we went into this this uh in like late March saying how this was going to be the wackiest off season. I mean, we're looking at next off season, we'll be looking at old tape of college students playing probably. Well, I, I think I mean, are, I are think they going to get chance. like a weird red shirt year? Are these guys going to want to declare anyway because they're not getting any younger? It's it's that's going to be kind of wild, don't you think? Well, what they did in the uh, in the spring semester sports, like baseball and things, they only played ten games or so, and they kind of they canceled everything and said, you know, no season, it's over. I mean, that was it. They these kids lost a year of eligibility, so they're they're ready to go to the NFL or go to the Major League Baseball or, or do what they were going to do. So, um, you're right. You know, how do you uh, how do you scout players? When, you know, you're right, the, the, the tape you're going to see is, you know, you're going to see kids' bodies that are, you know, 18 to 20 months older or younger on tape and things. And just the inactivity of playing, it's really going to make it, uh, you know, it's kind of like, how do you game plan for something like that? I mean, if you're on a rebuilding plan like we are and you're so, you know, rel- reliant on building up through draft picks and stuff. It comes a real crapshoot. I mean, some of these teams just need to tweak in the next couple of years. It may not impact them as much. Uh, but, you know, for a team like us where we have to nail every draft pick, <laughs> you better hope you have some damn good scouts and some, you know, really good, you know, connections with things because it could be a real disaster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, in my opinion, I know that this is somewhat off topic, but I'm I'm really glad, you know, and this this is presumptive. But I'm glad that we went with the left tackle this year kind of draft pick. I think with skill position players, a lot of it you can see a year in advance. It's kind of rare, I think, when a wide receiver um, just bursts onto the scene in one year in college. I mean, a lot of times you can see the progression of a guy moving up. but You've got your eye on a group of guys their junior year or, or their sophomore year, depending on... and. Just, it's it's just it's seeing rare. that next leap. You know what I mean? It's pretty rare to see a freshman, you know, someone you look at right away and say, that guy's ready to play in the NFL if, if he was, you know, drafted today. You know, if he was eligible for today, he'd play. And even as a true freshman, even rarer. So uh, t- to me, it was very simple with left tackle is, you know, we're hoping the Giants are in a position to draft where they get the pick of the litter of a left tackle. You know, 
you know, the expectation is we are not going to be drafting fifth or sixth next year. Hopefully we'll be, you know, showing progression where we won't be in the position to get the best left tackle or the, you know, the choice of two best left tackles. So, you know, left tackles are rare in this league that are really good. As we saw, you know, going into free agency, they're very, very, very expensive, even to get adequate ones. And you never feel like you've made the money, you know, the investment is never worth the cost. So you're right. I'm glad that's something we don't have to worry about right now. And, you know, we can focus on other things, and especially with all the holes that this team does need. Right, yeah. It's, 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 it's a shame because I feel like we've talked the topic to death. I feel like it's a topic that lies outside of sports as well. So it's, it's always in your face all the time and you always have to hear about it and then you got to hear about where you can and can't wear masks and who isn't wearing masks and you know where you're allowed to be and where you're not allowed to be and how many people inside but unfortunately the more I thought about it the more this topic is going to affect all the way through into next off season at the very least oh until there's a vaccine everything is going to be wonky I mean Every aspect of life is going to be ebb and flow. We're going to loosen up. We're going to tighten up. Hot spots will open and go away. You know, schedules for everything. And we're not just talking about sports leagues. You know, the building down the street that started construction and had to stop because of, you know, lockdowns and starting up again. But maybe they have to social distance or timings are all changed. I mean, I mean, as much as we don't want to admit it until there's a vaccine and that vaccine has been distributed to the vast majority of Americans, nothing's going to be normal and nothing's going to be close to, you know, scheduled. And we just have to learn to accept it. It's, it's unfortunate because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty sick of thinking about it and talking about it. But unfortunately I, I know that just because I don't feel like talking about it doesn't make it go away. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's just always going to be there. And then, you know, for the next Four or five months, it's only going to get worse because you you layer on it an election coming up where this has become as politicized as you know you know it's wearing a mask isn't about health it's about what side you stand for. I mean, I saw it today on Twitter. I thought it was great that wearing a mask has become the new IQ test. <laughs> I mean, if you're wearing a mask, I mean, just you know, thinking about what the health implications can be and doing your part for yourself and your family and your others. You know, it's sacrifice. You know, it's it's sacrifice that you know we like to we like to celebrate. You know, the veterans in this country who sacrifice their lives and sacrifice the, you know for our freedoms and stuff. And we have to start sacrificing by wearing a piece of cloth over our face. And if we can't do that, we're fucked. I mean, that's that's all I can really say. And you know, I'm I try not to delve into topics we you know people don't want to listen to. For their respite on the Just Giants podcast, but uh, you know we don't want to keep talking about this every day. But just look at the numbers, and hopefully, we're not talking about this in three weeks where we're really back locked down in our apartments again. And especially in places around the country, they might be the New York area, but other places where it's a real, real problem. So just you know, we'll get off this soapbox, but you know, do your part to try to you know, keep this from getting as bad as it was here and where you live. On a happier note, and, and and things that are you know less serious, a little bit more fun, a little bit more giancy. Um, 
we were special guests on the Talking Giants podcast. Um, and that episode is releasing next week, July 6th. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Those guys, Justin and Bobby, are really, really smart guys. And uh, I was, I felt pretty honored to be on that, that show. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, it's they couldn't find any other guests in the universe, and they picked us. I think that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, you know, we mention every week, obviously, uh, you know, find our show and download it, subscribe to it, tell all your friends, give us the five-star ratings and reviews, you know, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and him and me, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, while you're at it, follow those guys as well, the, the Talking Giant show. I mean, we've said this all along that, Smart giant fans are the best fans in the world, and you want to be smarter than, you know, if you're talking to that dumbass cowboy fan or that, you know, that leatherneck jet fan or something. And the best thing you can do is listen to smart people who, you know, are informed and aren't just saying the usual dribble. And, and those guys are definitely a show that, that you should listen to because they have lots of good takes. And you know, I feel I feel like a smarter giant fan listening to them. So. For sure, yeah. So, yeah. Talking Giants, we're on July 6th, but listen to their show just anyway. Uh, smart guys, yeah. really in-depth analysis, breakdowns, numbers. It, it's it's the real deal. It's not, I think, I feel this. It's, here's why. Um, and, and, you know, it couldn't be better dudes either. Really, really nice guys. Yeah, we'll we'll get them on here before the season starts for something. We'll find something fun to do with them. So, yeah. uh, for sure. Um. Nothing else really, really has happened in the last week other than that fun little interview. The biggest news probably just that Cam Newton signed a uh, vet minimum contract to go to New England. Yeah, it's a pay cut for him from we went to Auburn, so I hope him and his family can survive <laughs> on the money. Wow. Wow. The, the, the... Anybody, anybody doesn't know my hatred of Cam Newton goes way back to when uh, – he went to the University of Florida. I will refuse to call him a Gator, but uh, he went to the University of Florida. He was actually Tim Tebow's backup in uh, 2007, I believe. Uh, a monster. Uh, played some mop-up a little bit that season, but ran a little uh, afoul of the law. You know, stole a laptop, was throwing it out a window, and then was caught cheating on exams. And he was, you know, they mutually agreed for him to leave the University of Florida. Went Juco for a year. And then had one of the single greatest seasons in college football history with Auburn. I mean, he single-handedly won a kind of an average team with an average coach, a national championship. Well, an so, average SEC team. That, that's still a pretty good team. Nation. a good team. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, well, you know, again, an average SEC team is a very damn good college football team. Right. I, but, I just you know, I didn't want to yeah, but, I mean, it too far. I mean, that Auburn team was pretty good, but if you replace him with Bo Nix, for example, the current quarterback at Auburn, that's a top 25 team. That's not a, a national championship team. Definitely. No, I, I, your point is valid. Um, and so th- that, that's kind of interesting because you have a guy now, in, in all seriousness, you know, you said it's a bit of a pay cut from his Auburn days. Still, a vet minimum for Cam Newton seems really low. Um, for a guy who in 2015, I know it was five years ago, but 2015 was a league MVP. Um, I yeah. know he, he's had up and down years. He's also had good and bad offensive coordinators. Um, he's also, I think it's, it's a proof of contract because we don't know how healthy the guy is. I guess that's true too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at this more, as soon as I saw the signing and I saw the money, 
my first thought was it's a prove it. This, let's just see. They're going to kick the tires on him and see what happens. Uh, you know, New England is in kind of a very funny position right now where they're, you know, they're close to going to total rebuild mode. And, you know, something if he can kind of, you know, ferry them over to the next level, the next step, that'd be great. Um, I don't think they believe they have the true quarterback of the future on their roster. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's something where a guy like Bill Belichick, you know, if it works out, he's the right coach to have for a guy like him. And if it doesn't, you know, there's no skin off their back, you know, from a financial obligation. So I don't know. I, you know, I don't think it's one of those. I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, some of the hot takes, well, you know, 31 other teams are going to be sorry they didn't do this. And like, no, that's not true. I mean, he was out there. He's getting the league minimum also, the vet minimum, because quite frankly, he has nowhere else to go. And no one else was interested. Yeah, I mean, that's true too. The other thing is that it's 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 a million dollars, but there's incentives all over the place in this deal. That can sure. get him up to about $8 million. Still kind of low, but um, it's not absurdly low. Uh, it's just, it's super interesting because... For a stretch there, I thought the Bills had um, the AFC East on lockdown this year. And, uh, yeah, just like that, I'd say it's a race again. <laughs> well, again, A, let me see Cam Newton back to being Cam Newton. B, let me see him being healthy. You know, uh, and also, which we actually mentioned on the other podcast we were on, that what you think on paper, who knows when the season starts, too. So, you know, I would... No, if I'm giving gambling advice to all you people out there, all you degenerates, I would not put any money. I wouldn't use any research and theory into putting making your bets this year for like your futures and things. It's just kind of like, who do you like? Who's your favorite team? Because what you think you might know may not be at all applicable. And, you know, the schedule could be completely scrambled at some point. Um, so it's just going to be just a wacky year. So uh, who can win the, a- the AFC East? It really could be. Could be any of those if we even have a 16 game schedule, you know. And if this season gets condensed, it helps the bad teams out more. I guess so, but like you said, everything on on is is just on paper right now. We don't know anything. There hasn't even been any workouts. So you know, at this time last year, um, Darius Slayton was already turning heads with how well he was connecting with Daniel Jones in spring workouts. He was already, you know, we kind of were like, yeah, he's fast and whatever, but his tape wasn't really showing a whole lot of what he could do with route running. Probably a problem with Auburn's offense and quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, he he had some bad drops in college. And yet, after some some good workouts, we were kind of like, all right, we'll keep our eye on this guy. And, you know, now we're looking at a potential future number one receiver for this team, given his skill set. Um, but we don't have any of that this year for anybody. It's all yeah, on paper. It, it really hurts a guy like him not to go through the whole off-season program and, and all the mini camps and stuff because that's a guy ripe to make that next leap. And basically, progress is pretty much stopping. Um, I was just thinking, Grump. You know, this is around the time of year, and I think it's in June when they had that annual town hall at Beacon Theater for the season ticket holders. I think you're right. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you get Gettleman and you get, you know, this would be the new coaching staff. And then you get the rookies come out and 
know, Eli was usually there. Barkley was there, you know, last year and stuff. And that's kind of like, you know, the apex of winning the off season is that, you know, event. People aren't even booing Gettleman at that meeting, you know, that little, that get together. Well, and, uh, you know what, that's, what's interesting is I was going to say there, there was two years in a row of getting hammered, wasn't it? That was one year of coming off of the Eli Manning bench for Geno Smith, and then the following year, the Odell Beckham trade. And those were the big topics the last two town halls. They were very, very negative. And this is the first year in a while I think you can really say there wasn't a major negative. I mean, what's the, the, the Leonard Williams is probably the most loud, common complaint. But again, though, that we, we we've said on this show a thousand times that that is a complaint in search of a crime. But that's what I'm saying. Is that, that's almost <laughs> yeah. it, we're we're seeing the trend go in the opposite direction. If that's the worst that they can complain about now, I mean, you know, it, it's he, a shame that this is the town hall that that had to vanish. Well, this is this is the key town hall, I think, for a lot of season ticket holders because this would be our first real chance to meet Joe Judge. You know, we've we've had pretty limited exposure to Joe Judge. And quite frankly, I'm a little surprised they haven't set up like either a webcast or something, you know, to replace what that town hall experience was for the, you know, the the season ticket holder. Um, You know, there's certainly the technology to do it. I know New York City FC has done a similar thing for soccer. We got to speak with the uh, the CEO of the the club and the the, uh, the new coach of the club and everything. So. Uh, you know, and also you got to remember something too. The, the crowd who goes to that town hall—it's not your average WFAN caller. I mean, these are season ticket holders that are invited only. They're the ones that are invested enough to actually, you know, come into the city on a weeknight to go to this. So you're not going to get the meatheads that are just going to boo anything that you know uh, Gettleman says or the coaching staff or Bob Papa says. I mean, this is like you really are preaching to the choir at these things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope they do try to schedule something because I think, you know, the people that go to that definitely feel invested and connected and hearing the coach actually speaking. And it's not again, it's not completely off the cuff, but it's also not the prepared speech and script that are giving impressors. I, you know, I just don't think they're going to do it, though, at this point when they haven't said anything at all. They might be looking at this as an opportunity to spare Joe Judge. Yeah, but you remember that, I guess. But here's the thing also with a webcast, it's even you can control it even more. I mean, you know, it's very simple just to mute everybody. Like when a question's asked, you can control the whole thing. Like you're at the beacon, there's some schmuck who's always like, you know, the one guy, yep. you know, who's always, you know, has to has to be heard, has to be the comedian. That goes away in these he things. You can he doesn't re- get up, even though he's totally welcome to get up and, and ask a question. He just sits back and he's got something to say about everything. Yeah, G-Man! Or something. And it always harkens to 1986 and to the stereotype of some, you know, clowny. I mean, again, God bless him. You know, the guy probably sleeps in giant underwear every night, and you know, and has his, uh, his LT, uh, you know, uh, bed sheets and everything, but you know, it's just—it's a—it's an interesting level of fandom that you know I—I I, I don't know if I'm at. So, <laughs> but but the but the point being is that if you're doing this in a webcast, you don't have to, you know, yeah, if you're you trying to yeah. not if you're trying not to you know 
put Joe Judge in an uncomfortable situation, you probably can put him in a more comfortable one. So, yeah, but you know, right now it's not scheduled. Um, yeah, and, and and speaking of schedules, that kind of puts us back to um, our really on, our only thing going on this summer right now is our, <laughs> our schedule preview. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, it's it's going. It's going pretty well for both of us. Um, you know, we we said that the the bar for this team would be the hope is to get to at least seven and nine, right? We were saying get, getting out of those double digit losses was going to be such a big deal. Um, My see, that's what you said. My thing always has been, you know, I can't quantify this season in wins and losses, but I I want to see at the end of this year, you know the development of a team and a, and a core that's, you know, we can move momentum to the next year. I, yeah, but we're not talking about you and me. We're talking about the fan base, what the fan base needs. Uh, and, and, you know, unquantifiables may be the truth, <laughs> but it's not... Well, yeah. The fan base needs to have games in December. And yes. quite honestly, in November, means something. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. That's it. Yeah, and the only uh, way to—I so, mean, there's no way to be doing that and end up anything less than seven. I mean, if we end up if we end up six and ten, but you know we are, you know, for whatever reason we are still in the hunt in early December, then that's that to me is a successful year. Because you know, just you know, if we we're just unsuccessful and we just kind of peter out because you know we're we were out kicking our coverage in the beginning of the year, and this you know the record may not be great, but I'm seeing you know a team that's competing, so be it. That's fine. So I would say just the barometer to me is just we get into, you know, when it's Thanksgiving and we're not thinking about the draft. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're watching, worried about the college uh, Yeah, we're watching, we're, we're watching Dallas-Washington on Thanksgiving and we are picking a side because we need that team to lose to help us get in. That will be... Better than any turkey or cranberry sauce or any food we'll have, you know, this Thanksgiving. You know, I, I never thought there would be a time, but, you know, I also never thought we'd have three such bad giant seasons in a row. Um, so I think you're right. I think there would be better than the turkey, the macaroni and cheese, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce would be a game I'm actually interested in for Giants implications, not just for entertainment value. Well, I'll be in Hawaii again. So you those games, those games actually, it's you know, if if you're even on the West Coast, you know, it's very strange waking up and boom, that that Lions game is on. When you go out there, man, God, it starts at eight in the morning. It's got to be it's that first that. game. When's the first oh, game? It, is it noon? Yeah, uh, nine, seven, twelve. Those later is earlier than that. You're right. I think it's like seven. It's, it's got to be thirty seven, or seven. seven. Yeah, it's got to be like seven. Yeah, in the morning. It, it's like us watching, you know, English soccer in the morning. It's very bizarre. So, like that late game, you know, the third game on uh, NFL Network, whatever it's on now. I mean, that's that's over before we're having dinner. Crazy, so, but yeah, yeah. Your, I, I, your I first think, world problems are really. I'm drowning in tears for you. Yeah. Exa- well, <laughs> again. I'll believe it when I see it that this world allows us to actually go places. Uh, you know, I might be in your house, Grump. You never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, those in division games, you know, that's that's kind of the topic for today. We, 
our division games are, are a, a serious gauntlet this year. And in week nine and ten, we have back-to-back Washington and Philly, and we've already played both of those teams once, split up by a Tampa Bay night game. Um, no matter how good or bad these teams are, they always are a gauntlet because of the familiarity you have. And, quite frankly, that you are really building your team with an eye towards your division teams a little bit too. So the the battles between each other are always more tough to predict and tough to distinguish against others just because of, you know, the proximity and the familiarity. So yeah, make some fun. A lot of those one-on-one matchups that you look at when you look at a game they kind of get thrown out the window when it's division games because the guys are so familiar. They know each other's tricks. And even though, you know, 15 days out of the fifteen fifteen Sundays out of the season, you know, a cornerback has trouble. He knows this wide receiver so inside and out. He knows all his tricks. He might just shut him down. You know what I mean? It, it's Everything is just so off kilter with, with in-division games like this. And, um, you know, we, we have... We have already, you and I agreed both that that the Giants have already beaten Washington once at home, um, and now they're heading into Week Nine at Washington at one o'clock. Cranky fan, you've got a four and four Giants team. I've got a five and three Giants team. How do you think that this one goes Week Nine? This might be the first time, possibly since we've been doing this, where I'm going to break out the pen for a win on the road. Nice. Okay. Uh, this Washington team, you know, we said this when we talked about Washington before. They're 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 not a they are in a complete rebuild with a you know a quarterback that's as much of if not more of a project than Daniel Jones. Uh, like the Giants going through a whole new coaching staff, uh, they had more to climb than we did, and I just uh, I just don't think that team is very. It's going to take a lot longer for them to kind of get their their footing, you know, winning division games at home, even against teams like the Giants that aren't very good. And uh, I, I, I just feel like we can go into Washington and, and, and take care of business. You know, again, the continued progression of guys like Daniel Jones and, you know, an offensive line that's getting, you know, more and more comfortable playing together. You know, we're not worrying about crowd noise in a place like that for a game like this. And, uh, I think one of those all things considered equal, which it kind of will be, the Giants will win this game. Put in pen. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got. I, I tried to like really, really look at this, and and I still see it as a win in pen. Um, you know, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins and, and how he's, you know, new quarterback. He's kind of a project. Last year was a little bit of a sunk year for him. Um, but remember, this is a coaching staff that didn't even take him. So, you know. I know I know, we we clown on Dwayne Haskins because he's a bit of a target, um, but you know th- this is a talented kid. But at a certain point, when you're a coach trying to keep a job, and you didn't even pick the guy, there's a lower threshold than the guy you picked. It just is a fact. Yeah, that may be true, but a guy, a coach trying to keep his job in week seven—that's not happening. I'm not. This year. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about this yeah. year. I'm just saying in general, it's it's a it's a double thing. You know, we're, we're talking about Dwayne Haskins as a project. This is this is beyond the scope of this game. This is beyond the scope of 2020. I'm just saying, when it comes to Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins, there is no connection whatsoever. And um, you know, 
it's just it's just another hurdle for a team that's already at least one step behind the Giants on a, in a rebuild. Um, but let's be honest, though. I mean, we can run the numbers and, and do some research on this, but how many coaches don't have a top 10 quarterback that they are totally invested in? I mean, usually if you're drafting so high up in the draft is your team stinks, and usually the coach you know, would be on – shaky ground and you know they'll probably will lose a lot in that first year with a rookie quarterback and they probably blow out the coach so there are a lot of quarterbacks who are in the same situation that haskins is in where you know the coach in week year three is not the coach that drafted him it all depends on how the organization handled it i mean a lot of times coaches are attached to their quarterback draft pick and it's it's just kind of how it goes you know yeah, see, I I feel it's more it's the GM tied to the draft, the quarterback, than it is the coach. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of times the, the, these all normally an organization throws the entire thing in the garbage and they start fresh and they 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 have a sunk draft pick. They have a sunk season with a high draft pick. They hire a new coach. They get a new GM, and those guys pick their guy at quarterback. And really, right. I think even then it comes down to. You know, I, I think every coach in the NFL, dumb or smart, is smart enough to know the kind of guy that they need to succeed. And it's really just a crapshoot on the year and the crop of quarterbacks coming out. But, you know, that's kind of, you know, regardless here. With Washington, they didn't do that. You know, they've got their quarterback. Then they, they fired their head coach, but they've still got the same GM. Or, well, they're hardly the model for consistency and excellence in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they've been... They've been circling the drain now for, you know, ever since Daniel Snyder became the, the owner. So <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't turn to them. They're not exactly the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL for, uh, for you know, but, but that's, who that's, I look to. That's kind of what I'm saying is that, like, normally these guys are attached and they kind of rise and fall with their draft pick. This is a, a sort of off-kilter situation, you know. Yeah. Th- you know, this is just an inheritance, you know, been – that Ron Rivera inherited Dwayne Haskins, and that just is what it is. Um, but also, Dwayne Haskins, if we remember, though, was regarded as yes, a top that, ten pick. We're not talking about a reach. We're like, and I use this, you know, in the context of the time. Like Daniel Jones was considered by many people to be a reach where he was picked. Where you know, your repu- if, if if Daniel Jones busts out. That's good. Like probably will kill some jobs. Where if Dwayne Haskins kind of flames out, it's like, well, you know, he's Achilles Smith. He's, uh, you know, he's a quarterback. Where, yeah, you take him, and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. So, it's it's not just saying it was just a bad pick. You made a bad no, decision. No, no, no. Just do, as opposed to like a Daniel Jones who has more of a, you know, a bit of a risk because because of just kind of. The consensus was, and he was highly regarded as where he was drafted. Well, here's the, here's the thing: Ron Rivera is a defensive guy, and he went out and he got he got my defensive coordinator that I really wanted the Giants to go after, and that was Jack Del Rio. And he did everything he did he could do to get him an excellent starting defense, including uh, especially up front with Ryan Kerrigan, and they they drafted Chase Young, and they have Jonathan Allen, and and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Matt Ioannidis and Caleb Brantley and Tim Settle and Nate Orchard. You know, that's that's a very stacked front. And it, it's going to be tough getting time for Daniel Jones to throw deep again and, and really test the weaker back end of that defense. 
But I think with a continued running game and a bad Washington offense, keeping the defensive front on the field, it'll eventually give way. Where Ron Rivera kind of just maybe didn't give full effort, he didn't really do much of anything to help what was already a bad offense with bookend tackles of Morgan Moses and Jerron Christensen. Well, again, let we're blaming the coach, or should we blaming the GM for this? I mean, it's the coach hired Scott Turner. I'll say that much. So, first year offensive coordinator, son of Norv Turner, who you know, I, I he's got ties to Ron Rivera, but I have this feeling that if his last name weren't Turner, you know, would we even know who this guy is? I mean, he was fired. He was he was hired to work. You know, with with his dad in Minnesota under Mike Zimmer, and then you know just fired in 2017. There's a lot of guys like that around the league. You can say, you know, well, look at the last name. You know, there's a lot of Lane Kiffins out there, and you know, even guys like Wade Phillips. You know, they're they're in the league because who their dad was, and some of them make their own mark. Ryan, for that matter. Sure. You know, uh, even the Harbaugh's. You know, there's a whole. You know, there's. A whole list of guys who are second, third generation players and coaches that would not get another look at who they are. But, you know, some of them rise and some of them are just, uh, you know, spoiled daddy's kids. It just seems interesting to me, you know, the the clear weak spot on this team is the offense. There's there's messes all over that offense. And you've got a first-year offensive coordinator. Um I, 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 if the Giants don't dominate on defense against Washington, then we have a, a problem. Uh, so for me, this is another win in pen, and it's it's one of those things that I think this is a throwaway year for Washington. This is a I'm a new coach. We're setting an example. We're figuring things out. This is like an experiment almost. Like there's just so, so let me ask you a question then. Mm-hmm. Do you consider this year a throwaway year for the Giants? I mean, they have a first year coach who's never coached before, never been a coordinator before. You know, a second-year quarterback similar to Washington. You know, holes have to be addressed all over the place. So why do you you see Washington as a throwaway year, but you see us as kind of really building something where we've been similar in results the last couple of years? I see core pieces here that I don't really see. I mean, you can make the case for Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin maybe Landon Collins on defense. But all those guys I list on defense, for the most part, you know, Ryan Kerrigan feels like he's been in the league forever. You know, Chase, Chase Young. you got to put him on the list. I mean, if you, you can put if, Chase if, Young on the list, but, but you know, when I think of the core pieces for the Giants, I don't include Andrew Thomas. What I'm including is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, these guys who have already played, which is why I said Haskins and McLaurin. You know, I see holes on the Giants roster – but they're not the big holes. <clears throat> with with you know, I don't see an overwhelming amount of holes on one side of the ball with the Giants. You know, I know everybody says the defense is awful. The defense is awful. It's bad. Um, and I I think you can point to maybe linebacker and and corner. You know, like one linebacker and one corner corner makes this a comparable defense in my opinion. You've got a good defensive line. We've got. A, a good safety. We've invested a draft pick in another safety. We went out yeah, and bought I, a corner. I mean, we went out and bought a middle linebacker. It's not. It's not an abysmal lack of talent on one side of the ball. It could use a playmaker. Yes. Yeah. As I say, there's nothing. There's nothing on the defensive side that's like 
that you have to game plan specifically for. I mean, it's, there's there's talent, but there's nothing that's like, oh my god, I got to worry about this. And, and Washington has that with, with potentially with Chase Young. Yes, but what do they have on offense? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's something we obviously have with Saquon Barkley. But other than Saquon Barkley, do we we don't have anybody that's really. Well, I think I think I think you have something in Jones. Uh, he, I think it's that is to be proven. I mean, of course, but I I feel more yeah. confident about Daniel Jones in one year than I do Dwayne Haskins. That's that's something different. That I, I agree with you with that. They've showed he's shown more. He's in a better situation. He's a, just a different type of quarterback altogether. But I'm not ready to say Daniel Jones is a difference maker in this league just yet. Not that he not that he can't be, but he he's not there yet. I mean, Haskins is a different type of skill set where he could be. You know, a very dangerous, you know, position guy who's not necessarily the greatest thrower, or most accurate thrower, or the best aerial game could be could be a dangerous guy. So, what other way would he be know. dangerous? Not I know, just, yeah, I mean, there's something about him. I, I don't know. Again, he hasn't played that much in his whole career. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. Okay. So we have Saquon Barkley as their your big difference maker on offense. Fine. Okay. If you if you want to say that's the only big playmaker, but you know if you look at the, the when you have guys like Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, you know, okay, they're number twos. Maybe they're, they're all, all number we, twos. We've had this argument. Maybe, yeah. Yes, and and that's fine. We can make that argument that we have a bunch of number twos is still better than no number twos. Who's the number two in this one? Kelvin Harmon for Washington. Jeremy Sprinkle? Yeah, I mean, their roster is worse than ours. That's, that's my point. They, that's why. They have they have more to go than we do, but I, I don't think that... I still think we're close enough to them where I think we're both in the same bucket of... I don't think either team is throwing away this year like a throwaway year. I think both of them are starting their upswing. I think if they would have kept Gruden as the coach... Like last year was a throwaway year for Washington, one hundred percent. They fired him so early on. Yeah, but I mean, they they just they had no plan for the year. You know, they 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 went with a quarterback who probably wasn't ready to play. It was obvious that was the Giant game, mm-hmm. where yeah. it was obvious that he was thrown in there as kind of an fu to the ownership and to the GM, uh, at an incredible disservice to the quarterback, mm-hmm. and that's. Those are all the hallmarks of just a wasted, circle the the, uh, the toilet type of season. Now I feel you know because they have a new coach and they they're kind of starting to implement their plan. I think it's a, a year of building for something. They're not wasting time with. They're not looking to twenty twenty one to begin something. They're starting it now, and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. The results are different than what the expectations and bring starting their plan. I guess I guess I see that they're they're these are two teams with with new coaches and they're on that same level. But when I look at the rosters, this looks like last year's Giants roster or maybe even the year before in terms of overall talent. I guess that's kind of where I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking at it as talent plus coaching plus plan is all. Like I don't think I think they have bottomed out already Washington. And I think they've started, you know, the 
Well, I don't think they're going to get yeah. worse. I don't. You can't get much worse than what they play. I mean, you pick a number two in the draft, well, uh, three wins. It doesn't get too much worse than that. So I don't think I don't think they're going to get worse. But what I'm saying is, I, I think you know the Giants had two real, real cellar dweller years in terms of yeah, the record, and but, and, yeah, but, and this is going to yeah, be another one for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, record. I'm not saying don't confuse results for this year from uh, you know. They're not just circling the airport waiting to land in 2021. No, 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 no. yeah. There's... Right. That, that's my point. Anyway, this is a win. I'm saying yes. win here. I, I, <laughs> yes. You know, the Giants, I think, defensively, you know, it's, it's going to be too much for, for Scott Turner and an offense with no talent and, and uh, a, a quarterback that honestly I think needed more help. He needed to be drafted into a situation where he would have – more time to learn with more weapons. He needed to grow up with more talent around him. And, and, and for the record, you know, and positive locker room too. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he didn't get that. And I think that's going to hinder his development. You know, I, I know we like to make fun of him, clown on him because he was kind of a jerk off on draft night. But, uh, you know, that is my serious um, take yeah. on his maturity level and things like that. He, I think he needed to be in a positive situation. And he was unfortunately drafted into a negative one. Um, yeah, and also, you know, they he has the same problem that uh, Daniel Jones will have. Will be a second set of coaches in two years, and first place for a guy that didn't have that experience in college that Daniel Jones did. That it's just, yep, it just slows down that process. Doesn't mean it's a hopeless lost cause, but it, it just slows that process down. Now, fortunately for him, I guess Washington isn't going anywhere anytime soon, so. There is time for him and patience for him to develop, you know, overcoming this stuff. But it is Washington, and we'll see how long that patience lasts. Yeah. Um, and then, so now we both have the Giants going back home to host Philly the following Sunday with winning records. You at 5-4, and four, me and 6-3. and three. How do we feel about that one? You've, you've already had them lose to Philly in Philly on Thursday night a couple of weeks prior. I think I'm going to have him losing again, and I think I'm going to put that one in pen. I think, uh, you know, for everything that's going well for this team, as as we were predicting, you know, they've confidence-building wins in the, in the division. We are now in, what, our fifth division game in six weeks, and you could also throw in uh, Tampa Bay in that, and you could also, you know, the bye week is coming up. Uh, division game, I find this very, very difficult for them to win. I I have this as a loss in bed. Yeah, you know, I, I when I look at all things considered between th- this Giants team and this Eagles team, I see an Eagles team that I is kind of fluctuating, right? I mean they can have a good year or they can start heading south. They've they've had a what appears to be a bad draft, uh kind of a wash of a free agency. Um they still have the same holes that they had last year. They're struggling. There's a big question mark over the name Carson Wentz, and um, and quite frankly, that's going to be attached to Doug Peterson. Um, and you know, when I looked at it, I was like, I think I think we split with Philly this year, and I chose the Thursday game not because I felt good about the Giants playing in Philly on a Thursday, but because I felt worse about Philly coming off of a game against Baltimore than us against. 
Dallas or whoever the fuck we were playing the week before. I don't remember now, but I felt worse about Phillies back to back than ours. I felt like playing Baltimore wasn't just going to be, you know, tough for them mentally to go from playing such a good team with such a mobile quarterback and such strong, stable coaching. You know, I mean, same coach for years now. Um, and let me ask you a question as you're talking about this and you said the word emotional I was kind of wondering I said mental <laughs> no I, no you said emotional too did I you said coming off an emotional game or something but um, my point is playing in empty stadiums do you think that helps or hurts younger teams or older teams like more like Having you know a young team like the Giants have a lot of young guys playing, you know, does that help or not help? I think it might help younger guys. I think it might help to feel less nerves without any. I mean, it's sort of almost like a scrimmage. And also, I think the the vets that feed off of crowd, whether it's at home, having you know with their back or having headwinds, which they've grown to, you know. Embrace, you know, there's going to be a certain sense. I, I, my point is, I think when you said emotional about that coming off an emotional game, that I wonder what the emotional level of these games will actually be without crowds and how much that's an impact. I'm not going to say that crowd positivity affects veterans more than rookies. I think that affects those players the same. What I think is crowd negativity probably affects veterans less than young players. Yeah, I was, That's I was what, really saying, where I was going with that. I wasn't even saying positivity or negativity. I just think it's crowd energy yeah. and having well, that, that adrenaline I mean, rush. It's, it's kind of, I think I think that that deflation of of, you know, you go out there, you're a young guy, your first touch of the ball and you fumble and your home crowd is on your case, you know, that I think when you're Adrian Peterson who fucking never fumbles. It's just a name I pulled out of thin air. But when you're Adrian Peterson, you walk to the sideline, you know what you did wrong, it's fine, you forget about it. doesn't matter who's booing at you. When you're David Wilson, that puts you to tears on the sideline. Yeah, but what I was saying was just kind of overall is what's the emotional impact of playing in empty stadiums is going to be just overall. Like, are we going to see flat teams? Well, you know what's weird is our, how much crowd noise is going to be pumped in like it normally is. You know, the whole thing is kind of weird. I don't think it's being pumped in at all. I think when you see when you watch soccer and you hear the crowd noise, that's pumped in for TV. That's not pumped in there. It's you know you can you know if you watch Premier League on regular and NBCSN, you hear crowd noise. But they say if you want to watch this broadcast without the crowd sounds, go watch it on the app. And all you hear are the people playing. So I wonder, you know, as an athlete, as a competitor, you know, who feeds off adrenaline, uh, the rush of crowd noise. And, you know, we've seen, you know, having the lack of how will it impact, I guess, momentum and energy. That's something that's a big unknown. We don't know and how that will you know, affect teams and things like because we've seen big comebacks in games, and a lot of it's like, oh, the momentum was. Yeah, I think I think it affects the two minute drill more than anything. Yeah, and also like you know, you know what I mean that 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 marching down the field to win a game or a score before halftime with the crowd at your back, 
you know, I, I definitely, or, you know, those goal line things yeah. where you, um, in, in a safety situation, I'm trying sure. to say, when you're on defense on the opponent's goal line, you know, the crowd noise comes in, you know, guys want to see that tackle in the end zone or, or an interception right down there to put your off. Or, or just, you know, position. like all of a sudden there's a hit and a fumble and recover and all of a sudden, you know, it's, mm-hmm. oh, that, that that's a change of momentum. Shift, well, yeah. is it really going to shift anymore? I mean, What's feeding that momentum after? I mean, that's something the player's going to have to bring. So yeah. that might be something where you might see either more exhaustion from p- players having to generate that emotion themselves or the opposite where they just can't get there. And you might see a different level of play and, you know, than, than we're used to. So that's going to be a real interesting experiment to see how the season goes. Right. Anyway, um... Uh, that that game against Baltimore, I didn't feel good for um, Philly, both you know mentally in terms of the game planning and, and physically. I think is just a strong team that will beat them up, and they may come in a little bit more injured than the Giants will. I mean, that's a total unknown, but it just right. that's a that's a strong, good, solid team that I think can beat you up. It's just their style of playing, um, just running circles around you. So I. I I felt worse about Philly winning that game in, against Thursday. I have no reason for them to, to feel bad about them losing this Week Ten matchup. With the Giants still not hitting their bye week. You know, this for me, this is a loss in pen. I, and they're better. <laughs> and they're they're, they're better. better. It, it's, yeah. There's no advantage whatsoever that I can swing, and barring some freak injury, you know. I, I think we split with Philly this year. This is the one I feel less good about winning. It's not very analytical of me, but just when I look at the rosters, that's how I feel. And that's a bitch because if I had to choose, I could care less if we win in Philly. Fuck them. But I want to – I hate, hate them leaving MetLife Stadium smirking and smiling, even if it's their only win of the year. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, this year is obviously – it might be them smirking, but it's not, you know, Joey cheesesteak. Yeah. It, so it's kind of, we could turn the TV off immediately and move on with our lives as opposed to leaving our seats, getting to the train station and having to deal with that. I mean, like you turn it, you can be removed from that environment this year because we won't be having to deal with it. So, and, and, and that's how we have the giants rolling into their bye week you have them at five and five. I have them at six and four. At the end of eleven weeks, you sign you sign me up for five and five after week eleven, and I will, I'll take it right now. Yeah, sure, right now. I mean, being five hundred is not a thing that this team was. Well, they were in week four. So where what what week is the bye week? Like what uh, on the calendar? It's uh, the end of November. Oh, so that there you go. If we're five and five going into Thanksgiving, basically. Yep. So we are, we have a bye week and then Thanksgiving week. Is that how the way it works? It's uh, the bye week is the Sunday, the week of Thanksgiving. So right. the the twenty ninth is week twelve. Yeah, they they will be coming off their bye. Okay, perfect. Because <laughs> then I have to get up at six in the morning to watch the Giants lose. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so that 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 Sunday before Thanksgiving is there. So by Thanksgiving morning, when you wake up, the Giants will still be at five hundred. Yeah, so if that's the case, if we're five hundred, then we are definitely scoreboard watching. We're definitely picking a side other than just who we, do we hate the least in, in that uh, 
Dallas Washington game. Absolutely. Which, like you said, that's that's kind of the dream at this point. That's all I, I asked for. Yeah, be relevant. And um, like I said, we are relevant on Talking Giants podcast. That is next week, July sixth. Which is what the hell day is that? Is that Sunday or Monday? July sixth is a it's Tuesday. Monday. No, it's not. It's Monday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. There you go. <laughs> Um, we're on Talking Giants. Those guys are the best. Follow them on Twitter as well, Justin Pennick and Bobby Skinner. Um, and uh, follow me. If you're not already following me on Twitter, I'm at football underscore grump. The Cranky Fan is at the Cranky Fan. And uh, this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, you name it, it's there everywhere all over. So whatever you're listening to this podcast on, just subscribe right there and you'll get it every week. Yeah, three things you can do. Subscribe, listen, Give us a rating and a review. You know, we got to. Uh, the more people hear about us, the more people we can talk to, and you know, that's always fun. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about uh, the bye game, the week, the game we definitely won't the lose. Bye game, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, who they're next to after that. Um, then we get our our strange games that we have the uh, the Bengals game and the Seahawks game. Hmm. As we start our playoff push. So yeah, five and five, def or sorry, five hundred, definitely possible to sneak into the playoffs this season if there is any at all. All right, let's, all right, let's... and with that, our lips to God's ears, go Giants, go Giants.